Our epistle is taken from the letter to Timothy, beginning at chapter 6, verse 6. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will bring about at the right time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honour and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Thank you, Lynn, for reading. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told this parable. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, 
covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. Please be seated. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. Wherein lies your security? Wherein lies your security? Or as we sung in that song, I briefly referenced your confidence. You see, the answer to that question is not trivial, for it actually determines your destiny when you die. Whether you will go to heaven or to hell. Now, if that hasn't got your attention, I don't know what will. Jesus' parable that I just read is amongst the most challenging of his wonderful parables, not least to our modern sensibilities. Hell? Really? You Christians are always banging on about God and love. How can he really assign folk to such a place? 
But the reality is that Jesus spoke about hell more than anyone else in the whole of scriptures. And he didn't speak about it just figuratively, but as a real place, a place of torment, torment, a place of destiny forever. And never more so in this parable I've just read. I have preached on occasions on hell, but it's not my purpose this morning. You might breathe a sigh of relief. As important as it is, I want to focus on that opening question. Where does your security lie? The Bible makes it crystal clear that our eternal destiny is decided in this life. However short or long it might be, it's decided in this life. It's in the decisions we make here and now and the life we live as a consequence. You see, at the heart of this parable, it's not that one man was a rich somebody in his day and the other, Lazarus, was some poor nobody. No, that wasn't the prime focus. The prime focus of Jesus' story was their faith, their attitude in life, their attitude to God and his promises. Lazarus, and it occurred to me it's no accident that he was given a name by Jesus in this story, clearly believed and trusted in God, despite his awful situation. Therein lay his security. The rich man, by contrast, incidentally not even named by Jesus, had no need for God. He had wealth. He had fine clothes. No doubt he had those who fawned around him daily, telling him how wonderful he was. But then, in death, as Jesus goes on, each discovered the reliability of their security. The one who was clearly secure in the Lord went straight to paradise. Abraham sighed, as Jesus said. For us, it would be straight to Jesus' side. The other, whose security was in worldly things, not in the Lord, discovered at his cost that his security was worthless or actually 
worse. Wherein lies your security? Despite the extravagant promises of insurance companies, of betting shops and lottery tickets, or the size of your country's army, or the crowds that flock to you and tell you how wonderful you are in a play or in a concert or a gig. There's only one sure security, unfailing security, assuring you of your eternal destiny. And that is putting your faith in Christ crucified. Today, this morning, whether you're here or online, if you've never really thought wherein your security lies, let me invite you, nay, implore you to make Jesus your eternal security. The Bible is absolutely clear. As I've already said, only in this life can you sign that policy. So if you haven't done so, why not do it today? Why not do it now? In a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray with me, all of us, so nobody feels embarrassed. Whether you're here or watching online, I invite you to repeat this prayer after me and invite Jesus into your life to be your ultimate security. So let's pray. Repeating phrase by phrase after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life. And receive you as my Saviour and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And giving me eternal life. Take control of the centre of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you, anyone here this morning or watching online, prayed that perhaps for the first time, let me 
or someone else know that you've done it before you leave. If you're watching it online at home, even this morning or later on in the day or week, please let us know here at St Paul's. You can find contact details on our website. And if some of you are still uncertain, have questions, speak to me afterwards or to a couple of people who will be up the front there after the service. But now we need to remember that we had two readings. Jesus' parable could be seen as a downer, a criticism of those who are rich, who are materially wealthy. However, in Paul writing to Timothy, he addresses such folk as for those who in this present age are rich. Clearly, he is assuming that in the New Testament church, there were rich people who had a living faith in Jesus Christ. Indeed, arguably, the richest person who ever lived, King Solomon, was actually made so rich by God. Nevertheless, Paul does warn on several bits of our reading that riches can be dangerous. Even yearning for them can lead us astray. Within our reading was one of the most often misquoted verses in the Bible. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. No, that's what people often quote. But Paul doesn't say that. He says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Why? Because, as Paul goes on to say, in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But he also advises those who are rich how to handle their riches. They're not to be haughty or set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Wow, that's a word for today, isn't it, in our current economic crisis. But rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Wherein lies your security. It's been a momentous couple of weeks 
in the nation's life, has it not? Not least, last Monday, we witnessed a wonderful and amazing commemoration of the one who most certainly knew where her true security lay. Not in the vast wealth of palaces and castles and country estates. Not in priceless jewels or in being perhaps the most famous person on the planet for so long. The BBC estimate that in excess of four billion people watch the Abbey service across the world. No, as we were told over and over again, the Queen's true security lay in Jesus. How wonderful it was that that came out in the and was the focus of both the Abbey and Windsor Chapel services. I was struck by the fact that almost every commentator or celebrity who'd met her spoke of that faith. Not just faith in some vague way, but her Christian faith. And she lived it. In her security in Jesus, she could meet presidents and paupers on equal terms because she knew we are all made in the image of God. She lived out the command of Paul to Timothy for rich people. Thank you, Father, for her example. So finally, where does your security lie? My prayer this morning, as has been as I've been preparing this, that each of us will take this parable of Jesus as tough as it is, take it seriously. But also realise that God expects us to live out our salvation. And my prayer also is that living out of that security will be seen in others. It will be visible as it most surely was in the life of our Queen. Why? Not least that others may see it and discover it for themselves. Paul wrote to the Colossians that this was part of God's great plan to make known how great are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In our security in Christ, we carry his glory that others may see.
Let us pray. Father, may you be gracious unto us and bless us and make your face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Amen. Can we have the 